1: Hello there Nookie and welcome to a very special video edition of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want coming to you direct from the Bardo studio in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And today it's a very special edition to end up season number two as we go video with Sybil, star of the Jean Bardo show, of course with the one and only Gene Bardot, and yeah, there's Tilda too. But we're going to be talking to Sybil today on what women and other wonderful humans want. And as always, we start with the first five five questions about first for the amazing Sybil. First time you ever saw yourself
2: in the mirror, as Sybil? Uh, it was it was the late '80s, uh, Halloween. I had wanted to experiment uh, in playing being feminine and Mm. so forth for a long time uh, I had a combination of three girls help me out to take me shopping to to buy a few necessities that I needed others loaned me clothes and another one did makeup for me so it was kind of a group effort and they were all excited to do it for me which was great because if I didn't have their support I don't know that I would have had the guts Mm -hmm. to do it
1: was there a journey that led up to that point
2: the journey i mean i as a as a youngster going through puberty i saw things that really um, intrigued me Mm -hmm. and i saw things on on hbo their their burlesque shows where the pretty girls would go out there and take off their their clothes and their and, and display their pretty lingerie their vintage lingerie and I wanted to feel what it was like to do that, and so I kind of raided Mom's wardrobe a little bit, <laughs> and she had this one item that I just treasured, and I probably ruined it. <laughs> but but I don't think she ever wore it. It was a black long line bra, and it was, just looked so forbidden because nobody wore that, that I saw. You know, none of the none of the girls, none of my mom, or there, that I could tell anyone else. And that was that was one of my inspirations, I guess was. You know, going through those drawers and, mm-hmm. and seeing
1: what could be. I had a similar situation, and we'll talk about that in a little bit later. First time Sybil ever walked into
2: a dungeon, and what was your feeling? Oh, jeez. Uh, it would have been, as a good 25 years ago, I was uh, just dating my wife-to-be at the time, and she was super supportive, mm-hmm. and we met some a couple through the you know back page of a of a local you know rag and met them um and told them you know what we were into and it was mostly me the the wife came along for the ride she wanted to see what this bdsm and sybil thing was all about Mm -hmm. and they took us to their little dungeon which was uh a bottom floor you know basement area in their Mm -hmm. home and I was just stunned. It was like kind of like walking into this. It was a little smaller, but you know there was a cage. There were cuffs. There were there were you know, whips, paddles, and so forth. And I was just kind of blown away. And uh, and that first experience was was uh, was amazing. It mean, pushed me really hard. Probably more than I was ready to be pushed. But uh, but that was my first first time.
1: Let's take it back a little bit. First time you ever imagined being in a place like that. Was there a definitive moment or an image or something that made you go, "I want to try that"?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as a as a teenager, I would sneak into the adult bookstores and and buy the you know the Harmony bondage magazines, and uh, there, there were a number there were a number of different publishers out there who would who would uh, uh, capture girls in various states of distress and in dungeon like scenes and and. Uh, yeah that's that was kind of my my entry point there to, to start forming those thoughts.
1: It might be that exact moment, but I'm going to ask anyway first time you ever realized you weren't alone in what you enjoyed seeing and wanted to experience
2: The first time that I felt like I had company was was probably uh, when I Looked through the back pages of some of those magazines and saw that there were contact ads and that there were people doing this apparently in different places. And I would write them and say, here's who I am. This is what I'm thinking. And that's, that's how it all began was, was right there. And I started to get that feeling like I've got support. There's others Mm -hmm. like me. Thank God. I loved
1: the harmony magazines. I bought so many of them and the videos. I think uh, Simone Devon might have been my favorite model. Of course, Darla Crane was amazing. Who was your first favorite Harmony model?
2: I lusted after Jay Edwards' uh, Whitney Prescott. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jewel Marceau was one of my favorites. Along Former the guest on our show. Yes, of course. <laughs> uh, Darla Crane. Uh, those are those a few of, of, the, of the bondage models back then that I really craved to see more and more of.
1: First time you met Jean Bardot.
2: First time meeting Jean was uh, here in Minneapolis at Ground Zero. She she ran the the chair in the in the back of the of the club at Bondage of Gogo, and we had corresponded a little bit beforehand, and so she kind of knew what I looked like and and what I was into because we had been kind of chatting, and I was you know, trying to volunteer to, for a for a shoot. It's like you need a tranny, tie up and beat or something <laughs> maybe. Maybe if you come across something, I'll do it. And uh, so I went with a girlfriend down to uh, Ground Zero and found her at a break back there in the chair, and she was entourage. I mean, just, <laughs> you know, it, she of was, course. it was three people deep to see Jean Bardot. But we waited our turn, and the moment she made eye contact with me, she lit up and just, hi! You know, and it was... Um, very confidence inspiring. I. She's so. She was so warm from the mm-hmm. very beginning, and she's she's one of those people who gives, and you know she'll give you a chance to to get to know her a little bit, and that's what I've always loved about Jean. She gives, and so good like that to everybody that follows her, mm-hmm. and and uh, and pays attention to her her uh, her Twitter, her her, <laughs> her Jean Bardo show, whatever it may be. Right. She's she's such a giving, wonderful person.
1: I can never get over her kindness and the joy that I have every time I see her. First time you ever realized,
2: yes, I'm Sybil. Well, it was, I'm Sybil. There, there was a moment, uh, I was still in college, and it was probably maybe the second or third time that I ever went out in public. and. I went out, uh, and it was it was a gay bar, and it was the only gay bar in this in this small town. Um, and I felt accepted from the moment that I walked in. There was happiness. I didn't feel the the judgmental stares that you would typically get in a bar, and those kinds of things. And at that moment, I felt like you know what, I've arrived. This mm-hmm. is this is who I am, and it's okay. I feel accepted here, and. It was was a moment.
1: When we come back on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want from the Bardo Studio, we're, of course, presented by Dating Kinky. We're going to talk to Sybil about how this person helped this person understand a little bit more who they are when we come back. From the bold and the beautiful to Boy Meets World to liberating herself from Hollywood... Maitland Ward has an incredible story, and she shares it with us. When I was trying to be
0: nice and fit in that box, less people noticed me or gave me respect, especially like after my fame on the shows and everything, like later years, middle years, I guess. (laughs) Um, But then when I like on social media, and I really have social media and my fans and the press to uh, think because they gave me a platform to express who I was and to do stuff I wanted to do. And once I started to be really authentic about myself and to be honest about who I was and just have fun and be, be who I am, that's when people really started to respond. And I think that's a lesson that everybody can really learn in life and anything. I think people really respond to authenticity and that's a powerful energy to have.
1: Maitland Ward on the premiere of season three of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, Tuesday, September 20th. Why is it always in segment two that I end up in a chair that my legs are spread apart? Well, you know. It's a good thing, I think,
2: though. Sometimes you're lucky.
1: <laughs> Welcome back to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want from the beautiful Bardo Studio in Minneapolis, Minnesota, joined by the amazing Sybil. This is an amazing place. How can you not be overwhelmed every time you walk
2: in here? Oh, well, that's clearly a rhetorical question. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's really something. Jean Jean has put so much of her her heart, her energy, her passion into this place. And it changes all the time. She's constantly moving things around, getting new pieces, getting rid of old pieces, keeping it fresh, keeping it interesting, keeping it dangerous <laughs> for anyone who may dare to enter the lair of bardo studios
1: how did you get so lucky to have become such a part of gene's life
2: it was uh, it, it was something that just kind of happened organically i i got a job as a stage manager for a burlesque show some years ago and Jean was, uh, if you know this, but Jean's a burlesque performer sometimes Mm -hmm. amongst all the other things that she does. And she was one of the performers we regularly had for our show. So I got a chance to get to know her in a way that most people wouldn't. So she would come in and I would say, "Okay, you're you're on here and what do you need? And she could see that I was at least basically organized or somewhat Mm -hmm. organized and that I had some skills with logistics and those kinds of things and And that's that's how it it ended up working really well for us because we complement each other. Mm-hmm. She's brilliant in so many ways and i'm I'm here to just kind of help channel <laughs> her brilliance through you know a variety of avenues i mean sometimes i'm I'm simply going to do the book sometimes I'll help her uh, you know with an event um, something here at Bardo Studios but you know we traveled to fetishcon for the first time about fifteen years ago. Mm. And when I offered, I said, are you going to FetishCon this year? And she goes, yes, I'm a guest of honor. And I was like, it must be difficult to set up that booth and do all those things, yes? And she goes, yeah. I was like, do you have anyone to help you? No, I'm like, you want some help? (laughs) Smart. I could could come along and maybe just carry the suitcases and set stuff up and just kind of lurk in the background. And she was like, absolutely. She was so into it. And ever since then, we've been, pretty tight and i learned a lot about her on that trip and i learned things about her her nature her values her you know the things that make her tick and it was just wow she was like a complete and total wonderful person beyond being a brilliant uh you know fetish celebrity Mm -hmm. right i mean there's so much there and it was it was great
1: Fetish Khan, that is where I had an opportunity to meet you for the first time. And you came up, and you were immediately super warm and gave me the most lovely hug. And I looked at you, and I went, same person I see on the screen, but there was a heart that I saw there, too. Where does this gentle, giving heart
2: come from? I, I think... I think if uh, you were to ask Jean she would say I'm a I'm a trusting person maybe even to the point of being a little bit naive too a lot very willing to put myself out there and you know give someone a chance and and see what comes back to me and that's I guess that's kind of the way I've always been so
1: on the show (laughs) you and Tilda oh my god the chemistry between the two of you. I can't tell if you dislike each other, if you love each other, if you're I can't tell what the two of
2: you are because it's so unpredictable. Yeah, she's she's definitely my sister from Another Mr. And and we relate kind of like that too, right? We have our we have our our little kind of fights, we have our little uh, love sessions. We have, we have everything, right? So we, uh, we, we poke at each other and it's, we test each other and it's, it's all for fun. I mean, I love her to death. She's, she's so spontaneous and crazy. Squeaks a little too much in my opinion, but that's okay. And I, I, I play more of a, of a deliberate role, a little more conservative and, and we balance each other out pretty well that way, I think. So we're a good match.
1: When you are not your character, and I will put it in that way, because I know Sybil is very much who you are, but when you're in a day-to-day heading out, just having a wonderful time with family and friends, is it a toned-down version of even Sybil, or is it a totally different person?
2: I'd say I'm pretty similar. Both ways. I mean, when I'm when I'm with my family, when I'm with my friends, I uh, love to have a good time. I love to entertain, uh, tell a joke here and there. Um, yeah, I I don't change a, a ton. I mean, outside of the you know the look and, and the things that I do, when when I'm with family and friends, it's it's kind of I try to be who I am. It's more authentic, I think. Mm-hmm. It's easier to make that transition back and forth if you're drawing from the same character personality uh base of values that kind of thing
1: i find that when i'm catsuit instead of john i am so much happier i am so much more authentic i am so much more willing to accept love but when the catsuit comes off or the mindset comes off
2: it becomes difficult for me
1: you ever feel the same way
2: in the in the groups that i frequent if i'm not Sybil, then it's it's a little weird for me right um so from that perspective yeah i kind of i kind of see what you're saying if if uh, i'm in my male persona and i'm traveling with jane somewhere it's definitely different when we encounter you know fans or or uh you know other people from the industry, or whoever it may be, I, I much prefer and much more comfortably be civil in those situations. But but otherwise, um, if, if I'm just going about my daily business, I, I make the transition quickly and easily. And it's and it's fine
1: when people meet you for the first time and they've seen you on the Gene Bardo show or they've seen you in any of your fabulous appearances, whether at fetish con or wherever you may go. Are they surprised to realize it's really you?
2: It doesn't happen that often, but every once in a while someone is like, "Oh my gosh, you're Sybil. I've seen you on Trannies in Trouble." And wow, it just my heart skips a beat when that happens cuz it's I mean, it's, that's not why I really set out to do it, but to uh, to have some recognition and some followers and and a little bit of love for, you know, the things that I've done, it's pretty satisfying. And, you know, I, and I try to if I can, you know, give back where I can and return a little love to those folks and encourage them and whatever I can do.
1: Where did Trannies in Trouble start? Because that sounds fascinating.
2: (laughs) So Trannies in Trouble, I mean, it started in 2003. Sandra Gibbons started the site back then. Mm -hmm. I learned of its existence probably, uh, I don't know, 2007, 2008, something like that. And, And I wrote to Sandra and said, I would love to do it. I shoot with you if you need a girl sometime. I didn't know if I was pretty enough. I didn't know if I would be, you know, good enough in front of the camera. I didn't know if I would choke. I had no idea, mm-hmm. but I knew I wanted to try it. <clears throat> and so somewhere around 2010 I did my first shoot with Sandra and Jean was there for it. She was just in street clothes and in the background and observing, and but she was kind of like my security blanket because <laughs> with, without, without her there, I, I don't know if I would have had the guts to give it a try. I was super nervous. And interestingly enough, Sandra will tell you that when she found out, Jean Bardeau's here, oh, my God. Oh wow. Apparently, she was kind of blown away and, and a little nervous herself to be you know tying up someone in the presence of... That was pretty neat. It was, and uh, it went super well. I mean, it was everything I could have imagined and more. And uh, we've done a bunch of shoots since then, and it's been, it's been a great relationship. Love trannies in trouble. It's a, uh, it's a site that I gravitate towards because it's damsels in distress, and obviously it's focused on our girls with that little extra something. And, mm. and it's, and it's pretty classy. Although lately she's been playing with the junk somewhat. So. Don't expect to see that from me. Sorry! Not happening! No way!
1: I hope you don't mind me putting it like this, but you remind me a little bit of me in the way you approach things because you're always dressed in a very fun manner in a classy manner. But to me, you don't come off as sexual ever. You come off as sensual, fun, And genuine.
2: Well, I I aim for that, I guess. Um I'm looking for that, you know, that vintage glamorous type of look, Mm -hmm. more so than anything else. I try to remain a little bit subtle, though some people say you're not subtle at all. (laughs) But I I look at your partner. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. Turn it back on you, right? And, you know, it's the same thing with, with uh, Tilda. She's just... Well, that's actually who I was talking about is, is Tilda. Oh, okay, that one. Yeah, yeah she's <laughs> totally over the top most of the time, right? And and, and she's she's got the, the tools to, to do that as well. But uh, I like to be... I like to hold back a little bit and, mm-hmm. and leave a little to the imagination. That's that's the kind of uh, media that I like to follow, that, that type of style, that presentation. And so that's that's where I'm... I'm aiming when I when I get dressed up and bring Sybil out.
1: I mentioned your partner and I was thinking partner in show but partner in crime. Partner in life. Mm. Your wife seems like she was very supportive in allowing you to be you, having had an ex that shamed me all the time. What's it like to have somebody that's supportive of what you do?
2: No, oh, it's it's everything. We I mean we've had our, our ups and downs with Sybil and there's a there's a balance, right? There's there's a certain amount of Sybil I can do that she's gonna be super supportive of. When it starts to limit uh, you know, our, our family goals or activities or that mm-hmm. sorts of thing, then I've gotta pull back a little bit. But but it's yeah, having her support is is everything. I I couldn't be here without all the support that she's given me and uh, yeah I'm just incredibly thankful for how lucky I got when I met that girl.
1: How have your kids understood Sybil?
2: Well, so far, I don't think they know <laughs> <So> <laughs>
1: the reason we're laughing is this is a video version in addition to the audio version, and I just stared at the camera like
2: well, that's a good call, okay. <laughs> Yeah, it was one of those dead stairs. Like, oh, surprise. Uh, But no, I don't think, I mean, I've never told them. They've never asked. I suspect they've seen little Easter eggs around the house from time to time. Um, When when we first bought this place, this dungeon, and and got it set up, I walked my son through here. Uh, We had to pick up something. I can't remember. I think I was doing a photo shoot for uh one of the local kids groups or something i was picking up some lighting equipment and he's like what is all this stuff (laughs) and i'm like oh it's like you know Jean's eclectic right and collects crazy stuff (laughs) and and and, uh you know this is this is all about advertising she does shoots here and uh i mean she's got this niche nailed for anybody who wants something that looks a little weird and he's like Oh, okay, and and I, I, I've never. I mean, if the kids have ever found like my eyelashes or or something laying around, it's just like, oh, what's that? Is that from Halloween? I just kind of, I just kind of blow it off. And you know, the, the more you make a big deal of something, the more attention mm-hmm. they're going to pay. So it's like, oh, oh, well, that's not bad. I don't know. Maybe maybe mom left that there. It must be hers. It can't be mine, <laughs> right? I mean, that'd be silly.
1: I was always amazed that my daughter. When I said I had gone to a relationship conference, she said, oh, no, dad, you went to a kink conference, didn't you? And I went, wow. Yes. No way. And it's because she'd been studying it in psychology in school. Oh. And she had, because we both share anxiety and we both share different things that, that make us go bump in the night, I guess you could say that i think she understood that it is what allowed me to get away from it all
2: wow that's that's incredible i it sounds like she's pretty supportive and mm-hmm. that's that's a that's a fantastic place to be i've always thought that i wouldn't tell the kids unless they asked mm-hmm. and i wouldn't volunteer it because i think i'd be doing that more for me than i'd be doing it for them mm-hmm. and i don't want to make it all about me, right? If they have a need to know and they need to understand, then I'll share. But otherwise, I don't think it's right for me to just throw it out there because I, I just don't think that's the right approach. So we'll wait and see what happens. I know there's been some some comments from the kids here and there over the years like, yeah, dad's into some strange stuff. <laughs> and, and they've met Jean over and over and over again and, and her husband and uh, and they're not subtle most of the time. <laughs> so so they know something something goofy is going on. They don't quite know what, and I don't think they're too curious. That.
1: What is the boundary between the times when you're comfortable sharing Sybil with somebody and you're not?
2: If again, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna share Sybil, I I think it's it's something that. Either they need to know or they want to know, and and I've got to feel confident that that uh, the information is safe. I there was a time when I was deathly afraid of the idea that someone could figure out who Sybil really is, and uh, now now that the kids are grown up and I'm getting older and 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 quite honestly, I mean for the most part, this is more accepted now than it was when I first started mm-hmm. doing this. Right, so. And and I don't have nearly as many many fucks to give as I used to, so um, I'm coming closer and closer to the point where, if it comes out, then mm-hmm. then it's fine. And so, uh, so I so I have some to protect uh, still. I mean, my, my day job is is pretty conservative, and I don't necessarily want my company and my clients knowing exactly what I do. But mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, that that's kind of where I draw the line is. What are the chances that this could lead to something really negative for me or my family or my friends or my job or whatever it may be? Um, and, and then what's the, what's the best case scenario? What do I stand to gain from this? And there's got to be something to gain. Otherwise, why do it? It's got to be significant. So that's, that's kind of how I decide if I'm going to share or not.
1: You mentioned that it's a lot easier now than it used to be especially when it comes to acceptance from the public. I know we're not all the way there yet, but explain to those who don't understand what it's like, what you've had to go through to get to this point where you're not scared, or are you still scared every now and then?
2: Uh, Every so while, definitely, definitely scared. There are people that if they found out it'd be it would change our relationship mm-hmm. right so there's there, there's some scare left in that idea that some people are going to treat me differently for sure in a in a bad way some people are going to treat me differently in a great way um, i discovered that early on that as people found out there were different reactions there were some good and there were some bad mm-hmm. and um i would say more of my experiences you know 20 30 years ago were more negative than they are now for sure. The, the last few people that, you know, became aware and so forth have taken it much better than, than the folks that I may, I may be told, you know, 25 years ago, for sure.
1: Give me a story of a time where you thought, maybe I can't do this anymore.
2: Ah, oh, there was, there was a, an incident uh, some ten years ago, where uh, I don't want to get into too many details, but uh, it, it seemed like someone at the school, and you know we were we were very involved with everything our kids did at school, found out about Sybil and Jean, for that matter, and because they were extremely judgmental in this area. It really threatened us at the at the school, and I thought for a while. You know, they wanted to to shame me out of mm-hmm. playing a role in uh, in helping the kids with their with their sports and coaching the teams and so forth. And they tried to kind of push me out a little bit. And at that point, I thought, "Damn, is this it? Do I have to quit? Mm-hmm. Do I have to get out of this?" I mean, it never. I mean there was maybe 24 hours where i thought that and that was the only time after after a day to think about what i was presented with i went back with my own angle and and kind of pushed back hard and and uh, and i won and i was really satisfied the way that came out but at first i was shocked and scared and you know what if and you know i chatted with some folks that you know had links to the you know the school community and so forth and figured out that you know what they can't do that shit that's bullshit and so we went back hard at him, and, and it all worked out fine in the end but but that was a scary moment i guess
1: let's contrast that with a beautiful moment tell me about a time when you met somebody where you had helped inspire them to be their authentic self
2: Ooh, that's a good question um I'm not sure if I have a moment where I've really inspired someone that I know of to have, uh, you know, taken steps that I haven't taken before. Although I've gotten, you know, through teaching cross-dressing classes and, um, and making friendships along the way at the various conferences and so forth, I've gotten a lot of comments along the lines of, you've really given me the, you know, the hope and the, and the desire and the and the guts to do to be myself and to come out and, and and really explore this other side of me and and that's that's always fantastic to hear there's there's uh, a lot of satisfaction in, in knowing that people are gonna make more of an effort or or give them the tools that they need to to uh to be their their best self right so
1: I arrived a little early today. I showed up wearing sweatpants and a t-shirt, and I pulled on my catsuit, and the transformation really, for me, always begins when I put on my pair of tights, which I usually wear under my catsuit, because it gives me this certain calm, this certain feeling of desire and beauty while at the same time, it creates this wonderful hug for me. When is the instant that the transformation of Sybil begins, that first application of makeup or the first bit of clothes you put on? When is
2: that moment for you? It's when the hair goes on. <laughs> I mean, because there's, I mean, that, that is what really makes makes the difference I think is uh, I mean if you saw my boy hair you know it would it wouldn't do much for you (laughs) (laughs) but uh, yeah when the hair goes on I mean by then the lipstick is on right and everything is is done with the face and boom that is the suddenly Sybil moment right there (laughs)
1: suddenly (laughs) Sybil is standing beside me that's the moment Yes. What is your favorite outfit
2: that you have worn? Favorite outfit? Hmm. That's that's a tough call. I, I guess I would have to say um, I mean, just kind of being dressed like I am now, this is kind of like a Sybil standard, right? The, I've got the corset, the garters, the stockings, the high heels, glamorous makeup. I mean, this is this is where I'm super, super comfortable, and I wanted to be comfortable for this interview, so that's what i decided on today certainly i've got a couple latex outfits that i just absolutely uh love to death uh they're a little challenging at times to wear for you know any length of time there's uh there's an hw corset uh with with the little pussy attachment that is just a bomb that is so hot so sexy but uh, it's one of those that you can wear it for a little while but then it becomes a little challenging but i mean when i'm going to a uh, a fetish party, you know, the, the catsuit with that corset is probably about as good as it gets latex-wise. So that's, there's a couple options there for you.
1: I had mentioned as we went to the break that you had helped me understand a little more of who I am after I met you at FetishCon. At FetishCon, I had three weeks earlier come out as gender fluid because the male portion of me has never comfortably existed in my life. But I didn't understand if there was a female portion there other than what had been called my androgynous mind. You, in reading your biography and reading your fat are very confident in who you are was there ever any time when you were going I need to be normal or I need to feel like um why am I doing this where the questions just started going through your mind so much and how did you handle it
2: uh, I you know, I've always made positive steps forward I've mm-hmm. I've i've been lucky in that i've always had great support from from some group of friends Mm. from some base that i could chat with i've never had a moment where i've got to purge things Mm. or i question what i was doing if uh you know i read all that i could i I joined groups as much as i could to support what i wanted to do and I've, i've honestly never had a moment where i thought no i gotta pull back or or this isn't working or I can't do this just it's just never happened i've always made continual forward progress baby steps and uh, and looked for that support along the way and i've always i've been i guess i've been super lucky in that i've been able to find that so yeah i've i've uh always had that that trend headed in in the positive direction
1: it's hard for me to imagine that because of Personally, just the struggles that I've had back and forth, and I'm so, so happy for you because that means that you've always had love around you that wants you to be your authentic self.
2: It's, it's absolutely true. I, I've always had support of, of some excellent friend, and I was only five years into this when I met my wife-to-be. And, and she was supportive from the beginning and has never wavered in that. And she, she knew what she was signing up for two weeks the dating. I'm like, okay, there's stuff you need to know. <laughs> and, and I laid it all out for her. And she says, show me this person. <laughs> and at that point, I wasn't named yet even. Mm-hmm. And so I, I had some names I was toying with. And she says, what's your name? And I'm like, I don't really have one. And she goes, well, well, then you're Sybil. Oh. <laughs> Just like that. I mean, it was like, knee jerk, you're Sybil. And I'm like, really? Okay. All right. Sounds good. And, and if, if, if that helped her you know, be supportive and, and get into it, I'm like, oh, absolutely. <clears throat> I, didn't, I didn't think Sybil at the time was a perfect name, but, but from that moment on, that's what I took and, and went forward with that. I found out like 10 years later, there, there was a book. And a movie, Sybil, mm-hmm. where there's you know some story of a gal with a number of personalities mm-hmm. and so forth. And that's where it came from. But I had no idea for like 10 years. <laughs> like after 10 years, she was at some uh, garage sale and came across the book and picked it up and dropped it on the bed. And she's like, I thought you might want this. I'm like, when was the last time you read it? I'm like, what is it? <laughs> totally missed it. Over my head. So that was funny. I am
1: amazed by that story. It's amazing how people get named. I mean, I am actually friends with Stone Cold Steve Austin, the wrestler, and his former wife who gave him the name. And he was trying to figure out what name he wanted to use, and uh, Jeannie handed him a cup of tea and said, you better drink that before it gets Stone Cold. And she goes, that's your name. It's amazing how they come from That's
2: (laughs) brilliant. I love that.
1: When we return on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, we're going to get more into the fun of what happens in the Jean Bardot show and why it's such amazing viewing that you need to be watching when we come back.
0: We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at whatwomenwant.com. P1 on Twitter, What Women Want podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at www.podcast podcast. And now back to this episode of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want.
1: Oh, that sounded good, didn't it? Ready? Take one. Ooh,
2: <laughs> I think I need to do that more often. <laughs> You bet. Jean isn't here to do that, too. Oh. Well.
1: <laughs> Welcome back to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky from the beautiful Bardo studio in Minneapolis, Minnesota, joined by the amazing Sybil. I'm feeling a little vulnerable here.
2: Well, you're know, going to have to spread those legs a little more if we're going to be giving birth today. Oh, boy. Ah,
1: ah. I give it up to all the people who have given birth because my <laughs> hips are lying a lot right now. The Gene Bardot show, oh my gosh, what fun you all have. How much fun is it?
2: Uh, it's it's a ton of fun. I mean, we obviously we get along great when we're not, you know, actually doing the show and it gives us that creative outlet to really <clears throat> be ourselves and, and show off that those those crazy little friendships that we have, and and uh, and our our love of the kinks that we pursue and and gravitate towards all the time. So yeah, it's 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 a ton of fun. And while sometimes I can't watch some of the episodes we record, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, you know, the act of doing it is fantastic, and and uh, it's it's a challenge that I've always wanted to, to try. Right, to be in front of the camera and and speaking and doing things whatever it may be so it's it's a good creative outlet for for all of us for sure why is it hard
1: for you to watch that's that sounds kind of interesting
2: well i i have this image of myself that i keep in my head and sometimes when you go to the you know when you take 100 pictures there's probably i don't know i'll I'll find five or ten that i really Mm -hmm. like and the others i'm like oh really do i look like that (laughs) <laughs> and sometimes I don't want to know. <laughs> so I get in front of the camera and we do our Gene Bardot show stuff and I'm like, gosh, I hope that was good. And then sometimes I don't want to know if it was exactly what I thought it was because I'm in my head. It was great. It was perfect. I loved that. But when I watch it, I'm not sure if I'm going to feel the same way. So sometimes I cringe a little bit like, oh, I looked like that. I didn't want to know. <laughs> so that's where that comes from.
1: When you all do a kink of the week obviously it's so much fun to try new things but i have to know are there sometimes you don't want the things taken off
2: oh absolutely There was when i got zipped up into the body bag a few weeks ago i was like someone get the Hitachi! let's go <laughs> <laughs> we're not done here people <laughs> so yeah uh, certainly there's uh, a lot of situations where i would like to see things escalate a little bit more but May not be appropriate for the audience necessarily.
1: For the ubage of the tubage, <laughs> uh, bondage bags. I actually have gotten to endure those a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Describe the feeling of being in one for you.
2: Uh, it's kind of like a, a full-body hug. Mm-hmm. I feel loved, you know, just like I'm ensconced in this leather or latex bag, whatever it may be, and I'm giving up control to somebody that's uh, where I've got a bond, right? I've got this a bond of trust. And I mean, what's more important in a relationship than trust? And mm-hmm. and that's it's a really good, comfortable feeling for me, at least. So that's where I like to be.
1: Speaking of where you'd like to be, or where any of us would be lucky enough to be, what it is it like to be under the control of, of Jean
2: Bardot, it's pretty dreamy. I I just love those opportunities that I get to to have her completely in charge of everything that I feel, see, smell, breathe. It's uh, it's pretty intoxicating, and um, and and Jean's just so so good at what she does. Mm-hmm. She's so creative. I mean, she's she's forgotten more about. Uh, kink and and treating people in a kinky way that than I'll ever know, <laughs> so it's uh, it's a real treat to say the least.
1: Is there anything special that you enjoy more than other things? Yes, it, it's it's the second camera angle. The second You'll, camera. It, it's the literally the handheld camera. We're that thing. Uh, Was that pointed down here somewhere? It, it, I had it down here and I had it moving around. So no
2: penis shots!
1: No penis shots I all promise right. because we're on YouTube for this one as well.
2: Right, just anyway, things <laughs> that you really enjoy. Oh uh, well, I, Once I get dressed up, I mean for sure my favorite thing is, is rope bondage. I love to be tied up in a way that I can struggle all I want, not be able to get out while at the same time um, you know, I'm not hurting myself and, and causing any any major damage. And uh, sometimes left alone, sometimes paid attention to, teased, tickled, whatever it may be. Uh, those those are my favorites. And if and if a little percussive, this or that happens with a paddle or, or a spanking, then you know that's that can be pretty good too. Um, I'm not always a huge fan mm-hmm. of the of the SM part, but mm-hmm. At the same time, you know, taking a paddling, being tied down for a paddling, that's, that kind of justifies the bondage, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we had to tie you down, because we, <laughs> you were gonna run away from me if I paddled you. So, so that, that makes a good match too.
1: We talked about your genesis and your origin for Sybil, but we never talked about the genesis or origin from your BDSM world where did that start was there an image or a tv show other than the harmony magazines that we talked about
2: i didn't know i liked it until i tried it honestly really yeah i didn't i didn't have any gravitation towards a good spanking or paddling pain was pain as far as i was concerned and Mm -hmm. uh the first real mistress that i ever had was a, a gal here in town and and she was really into that part of it. That was her her specialty, uh, single tail whips and Ooh. and very you know extreme types of of S and M. And she took me under her wing, taught me all kinds of things, gave me a lot of experiences. And, and the way she would approach it really sold me. Uh, she was always of a uh, uh, the nature of. Let's give this a try, mm-hmm. and uh, and by the time I started getting into something, she'd pull back and say, "That's enough for today," and I'd actually be more along the lines of, "No, keep going."
1: <laughs> I understand that very well. And she's like,
2: "Well, that's that's how I keep my customers. You know, I leave them wanting more. And they always come back." And customers was a joke. She wasn't a pro by any mm-hmm. means. It was it was just merely a, you know, when I play with people, this is my approach and. And man, she set the hook hard. (laughs) So that was great. And uh, that's, so I I tried all kinds of things. And it's a good thing she did, because then I was, when I Mm -hmm. got to know Jean better, I was ready for her a little bit. And Jean didn't have to put up with all that. Have you tried this? Have you done that? Because I've tried that. (laughs) I hate it, but do it anyway. (laughs) During the break, while we were
1: setting up for segment number three, Gene arrived and was doing some things around the dungeon, and we talked about the fact... There's my finger, sorry. (laughs) We talked about the fact that this profession is one that takes so much that nobody sees. Talk to me a little bit about that, because you get to see it.
2: I'm astounded at how much time and effort and energy goes into... Everything around a session with the client mm-hmm. and Jean slaves away for hours before and after a session because she may go through five six different um, outfits or scenes or sets of toys and they all have to be cleaned a certain way to be safe and ready for mm-hmm. the next client uh, and then there's the place itself that needs maintenance and I mean the things that go into uh, being a pro dom I just can't imagine there are too many pro doms out there that have that kind of dedication, that, that put the effort needed into being this mm-hmm. this safe, this, this fun and interesting, right? I mean, there's so much behind it. So when you, you think, oh, well, that person's charging this much for an hour or two hours, whatever it may be, well, by the hour, it's really a lot mm-hmm. less. That that your pro dom is getting paid when you think about all everything that goes into, you know, preparing and and tearing down and you know even the taking notes right mm-hmm. and talking to them about what they want. There's just a lot more there than you think about that goes into it. And I I just hope that you know the clients out there realize that mm-hmm. <laughs> that uh, it's not right. you're not they're not getting railroaded here. There's mm-hmm. there's a lot of work that goes into it. That they don't see.
1: Well, one thing I've noticed because I don't think you're a dom type, but you seem to be getting further and further back every time I ask you a question, and I'm almost wondering what
2: you're up to back there. <laughs> yeah, I'm I uh, I'm not much of a of a switch. I and mean, there, there 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 are times well I'll take a top role for fun, or if or if. I'm instructed by mm-hmm. a certain uh, celebrity mistress to say to go do that Sybil, spank that person, tie them down. Then well, I'm like, well, I'm under orders. Mm-hmm. I have no choice. But uh, but now I generally uh, don't play in the in the top space a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Unless there's you know, some serious motivation of some sort, I much, much prefer to uh, to be that one on the on the bottom end mm-hmm. of things.
1: People ask me when we're about to play what I identify as sometimes, and I say damsel. I mean, that always defines the fact that I want to be stuck in a moment I can't get out of. I want to feel totally controlled and that something could happen that I may not expect. How do you identify when you have your most wonderful scenes?
2: You just kind of nailed it for me too. I mean, that's, that's perfect. You stole my thunder. I mean, the idea that, okay, I'm helpless now, and what could happen next? Will, uh, will she come back? Will, uh, will I need to yell, try and yell for help? Will I need to escape? Will I have a panic attack? Will these things happen? And it's exciting and scary all at the same time, and that's what really gets me going. Do you still get butterflies before playing? Sometimes, yes. Sometimes, yes. Like, there, is <laughs> there was a, an opportunity I had to get tied up here uh, a few weeks back. And, and I, I asked Jean, hey, could we, could we do this? Could we do that? And she said, yes. And it was like two days before. <laughs> And I was just coming out of my skin <laughs> for a couple of days. I could barely focus on work. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, oh my gosh, yeah. So I was, <laughs> I, was on, I was, had butterflies, I was nervous, I was, I was excited, obviously. But sometimes, sometimes maybe it's better to just wait until that day so I don't <laughs> have that distraction of trying to get something done or needing to focus. But that was, yeah, it does happen to answer your question.
1: Describe to me the moment that you cross over into subspace in a scene, because I know when mine happens, it's my body and my mind totally letting go of everything. Do you have a description for yours?
2: Yeah, it's that it's that point where you know you're captured. Mm-hmm where you're not getting away where you're not getting out that's that's kind of the spot where um you just kind of start to drift away a little bit and go okay here we are you're not going anywhere you're stuck here for mm-hmm. the duration whatever happens happens and yeah the and at that point the mind wanders and it just becomes something where um you know your imagination kind of takes over
1: we mentioned before the show in talking that I was Lucky enough to get to do a bucket list item for me yesterday, which was being put in a heavy rubber body bag that totally inflated around me to the point where I couldn't move. It was the closest to heaven I've felt in a long time. What's the closest to
2: heaven you've ever felt? (coughs) Uh, Closest to heaven? I mean even that scene that I was just kind of describing a few weeks ago it turned out I just just magnificent for me mm. I was I was in a place where I I could have you know been there for an hour I could have been there for 3 days and it was uh it was dreamy it was absolutely dreamy and I've had you know several of those kinds of experiences but I mean it just happened mm-hmm. a few weeks ago and I've been bragging about it to anyone who'll <laughs> listen it was fantastic so yeah what's
1: left on your bucket list
2: oh that's a great question um, bucket list I mean there's there's some there's some gear out there that I would like to explore when when the time is right um, I mean like take for instance that beautiful body bag you were in mm-hmm. yesterday that same company's got some other hoods and and outfits that i would love to try and get into Mm -hmm. and spend some time there so so that's that's one possibility um i would love to get my wife back into this a little bit more and Mm -hmm. i've been kind of teasing her about it lately and she's been receptive so (laughs) so i've got a shot because because i'd like to get her back into you know this a little bit Mm -hmm. where we can have our own little play scenes and so forth Maybe something with the mistress included. Mm. Ooh, I'm just thinking this now. So, yeah, there's there's some ideas floating out there for sure.
1: What you all don't know is just off camera, Jean's eyebrows went up very far. <laughs> I don't know if that excited Sybil, but made me smile quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I have totally enjoyed talking to you and getting to know you. And you are such a sweetheart, such an amazing human. And I could have never imagined getting to meet somebody like you decades ago and feeling like I feel so close like I do with you. Uh, You are somebody who's an inspiration. I said that to Gene when you we at FetishCon, that you live this beautiful life and you're not scared and that's where i'd like to be and uh, although i try not to make this podcast about myself i have been absolutely blessed to meet people that inspire me every day and you're one of those
2: well <clears throat> i mean back at you catsuit you are doing the community an, an amazing service by Providing these insights to all these amazingly talented, experienced people in this, in this arena, and you can't help, but love the things that you're hearing coming out of this podcast. And I'm just humbled to be part of it. Oh my gosh. I mean, the, the laundry list of names, my heroes are out there, Mm. you know, I mean, the people that I, you know, look up to in in such a way to be, to be part of this show, gosh. That's, that's really freaking cool. And I thank you tons and for everything you've done for everybody, the community, for me. And I look forward to where we go next.
1: So come on in here. What a great way to finish season number two of what women and other wonderful humans want presented by Dating Kinky. We start with season three with Maitland Ward coming up on the 20th of September. Wow. Wow. I'm John, also known as Hi There Catsuit. I hope I've earned the privilege of your time, and I remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always. Thanks. Thank you. What women and other
0: wonderful humans want connects with you. We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram. And for our kinky friends on FetLife at www.podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky done differently.